0: Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken.
1: Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio, and I am so excited today because we have Denise Leon. Now, who is Denise? I've known Denise for a number of years, and actually, she grew up get this, she grew up less than one mile from me. We were so close, but yet so far away because it took until I did a presentation in sunny Southern California for me to actually meet her because that's where she lives now. And occasionally she gets back here to St. Louis where I live. But let me tell you a little bit about Denise. She is a leading authority on building and positioning amazing and exceptional brands. And we're going to talk a lot about that. But she also, uh, aside from her Recent book, What Great Brands Do. She has recently, most recently, come out with a new book called Extraordinary Experience, which is all about what great brands do in the more or less customer service world. And you know, that's near and dear to my heart. So, Denise, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. It's great to have you.
0: I am so glad to be talking with you. Thanks so much, Jeff.
1: Well, we're going to have fun today. I promised you that we would have to have fun for this to work. If we're not having fun, I'm not having fun, <laughs> and neither are the people listening. So let's, right. let, let's jump right into it. Real quickly, before we, we get into your books, let's jump into your background. Where did you come from? Well, we know where you came from, but what, do you, what did you do business-wise? Where did you come from? What do you do, and, and how does all this work in the world of Denise?
0: All right. Well, I um, have been working in the business world for uh, twenty-five plus years. I-, I started when I was three. If you you want look to do good. Math. I was going to say you look All really right. good. I had guessed you for thirty.
1: Okay, but, but
0: wow. Yeah, I have to pay you that twenty bucks that I offered you on the side to say that, right? Yeah.
1: And you know what? I will, um, no. I will use that twenty dollars <laughs> to go buy something really nice.
0: Right. <laughs> Um, so, uh, the 25 years have been in a variety of um, corporate and advertising agency positions. My last role was heading up brand and strategy for Sony Electronics. And um, in around 2002, no, 2004, um, for a variety of reasons, which I can tell you some other time, I decided to resign, start my own business, and here I am, um, now a consultant, speaker, and writer on brand building.
1: Wow. Wow. So that's great. Consultant speaker writing on brand, but you basically you do what I do.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to be like you, Chef. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. But yeah. And I know it sounds creepy, but it's in a good way.
1: All right. I'll take that as a compliment. All right. So let's talk about uh, your books, because I think that's what we're going to use as the, as the heart of this conversation. I want our, our audience to learn a little bit about what not just what you do, because they may be interested in, in learning more about you directly and, and having you work with them, but your books, they should definitely, you should go out today and buy this book. That's what you should do. That's your, that's the takeaway from this. But why? Tell us why. Why did you write this book, Extraordinary Experiences?
0: Well, you know, I do believe that customer experience is the the battlefield in which brands will win or lose. And so I wrote this book to help people understand how do you create extraordinary experiences that really get people to love you as a brand and to visit you and to buy from you, and um, and to help you understand how how to build a great brand through your extraordinary experiences.
1: So I, I love what you said at the very very beginning. I'm going to ask you to repeat it. I don't know if you remember it, but why? What's the what's the reasoning behind the brand? It is yeah.
0: Well, customers. Couple... Well, custo- I said, customer experience is the battlefield that there it is. your brands win yes. lose.
1: Yes, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and you know, and really, that should not be a new idea. But I think, unfortunately, for a lot of people, it is. I think we get so caught up in, you know, what is the product we're selling or what is the service that we're offering that we forget that it's all of the interactions that someone has with us that create this customer experience and ultimately end up reflecting on whether you, whether they love your brand or not.
1: You know, I call this common sense because you're right, it's not new. Uh, There is new innovation that's happening in the world of customer service and experience. But at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the same thing, just coming up with different ways to do it, which is to make the experience that the customer has better. So we can do that a number of different ways. We can do it on the front line with the way we treat people, people-to-people interaction. If you go on a website, uh, you're, you're actually dealing with a, a website that is built by a person for a person to use. So I always say that's as much a people-to-people experience as anything, and it should be an extension of that. <laughs> You know, and and mm-hmm. then now today, you you try to not just deal with the actual customer service or interaction experience, but there's other things behind the scenes that could drive the experience. The timing—if uh, I'm going to promote to you, do I promote to you at the right time? So the buying experience or the purchasing experience, all you know, goes into it. Steven Jobs, do you remember, you know, he said it best or he did it best because he said, uh, let's make sure that the experience, it starts with, you know, we understand what the customer wants and they know what they're buying, but they get the box and they just start opening the box and that plays into that whole experience. You know, it really is much more than the product.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I think that Steve Jobs and Apple is a great example for the way that they obsessed over the details of that customer experience. I remember reading an article when the first um, IMAX came out and he talked about he wanted people to open the box and the first thing they would see is um, a handle on top of the top of the computer and he felt like that was such an important impression to make because everyone knows what to do with a handle. You pull the thing out and you and you start working with it. You start playing with it, and it made the product and the brand so much more accessible and relatable to people who maybe never thought about having their own personal computer. And it's understanding details like that that I think that we as business people need to need to do in order to create these experiences that really do connect us with our customers.
1: It's. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's, you know, every nuance, every opportunity to make that positive impression. And it used to be years ago, uh, Jan Carlson came up with this concept called the moment of truth, which is when a customer comes to any interaction they have Mm -hmm. with your company, they form an impression. And the Mm -hmm. interaction, everybody thinks about it is people to people. By the way, I focus on people to people, but it's so much more than that now. And I think you're starting to get into that with what you're talking about. So I know we're going to get into your, your brand experience and the seven brand building principles, which I want to do in our next segment after the break. But before we do that, give us a little more background on extraordinary experiences. What's, I mean, do you, have, you have case studies. You have stories in the book. You use great examples. Share with us your best example. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the, the the whole book is full of case studies and stories. I mean, you know, we all want to know what is the inside scoop behind certain brands. So for example, one of the brands that I profile is Costco. You still, millions of people shop at Costco, millions of people love Costco, but I really wanted to say what, what makes that Costco experience so extraordinary. And so what I did was I kind of, did a lot of research, a lot of uh, observation as well, and then analysis. And, and what I discovered is that Costco exemplifies this brand-building principle that great brands don't chase customers. You know, they don't try to be all things to all people. The kind of bare-bones warehouse feel, you know, if you think about it, it's really not that Pleasant of of, of, a, of a shopping experience, you know, the fact that they limit people's choices. You can, you know, you've got the two brands of toilet paper, and you better like one of them because otherwise you're out. You know, um, all these things are um, are limiting customers' choices, not making the experience very fanciful or sophisticated, but it really does appeal to the savvy shopper that Costco is targeting as their customer, and so it's just a really good a good example of how you know Costco is, is willing to to let customers who want to be pampered or want to have a lot of selection, um, who don't mind paying like high prices for something in order to to feel like they're getting something luxurious, they're willing to say, you know, those customers are not for us. We are going for the savvy customer who's looking for those those basic items and then those treasures that they stumble upon and they love in our stores.
1: You know, and, and to like give another example, uh, I worked with Southwest Airlines, talked with them for a while. And one of the comments they had is, if you like to fly first class, we encourage you to do so on another airline. You're not airline, customer. Airline,
0: yeah. You
1: know? Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and that's the point. You know who your customer is. You cater to that customer. Now, here's an interesting study, an article that I read in the Harvard Business Review. And by the way, I love every once in a while dropping that I read the Harvard Business Review because it... It really does make me sound smarter than It makes I am. you sound
0: so smart, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading Harvard I'm Business Review. But, no,
1: but they, they had a great article about Walmart. And, you know, you talk about Costco and I think a Sam's Club. And Walmart was trying to increase their uh, user experience, the customer experience, if you will. And they would survey their customers. And they found out that the customers said, hey, the aisles are cluttered. There's too much. You know, clean it up. Make it look nicer. So they... By the way, they didn't take the customer's word and then go out and change the entire chain. They did what was smart. They took a couple, three stores, and they did some remodel, and they spent a lot of money to do so, only to go back and survey the customers again to find out what was the difference. And the difference is the customer Mm -hmm. liked it better. Fantastic. What did that do to the bottom line? Nothing. It did (laughs) nothing to the bottom line. Really? Now, interestingly, so here's the point. Costco has figured it out to your point, they know what the threshold is. They know how low they can go as far as the experiences with the bare floors and the warehouse and maybe how many choices they have in different brands. They also know how high they should go without going over the top to break away from what they are capable of doing and delivering on their brand promise. Because if they start to give too many brands guess what's going to happen it's going to dilute the sales of a particular brand my guess is they won't get the same price which means they can't pass on the savings to that customer exactly. so at exactly exactly the, the end, you know what is the what is it that the customer really wants what's the primary thing and where you know what are your base i always believe you should always exceed the customer's expectations but if they have a bottom line expectation you got to at least hit that maybe do a yeah. little bit better
0: exactly
1: yeah. right so, and, to,
0: and to your point, chef, it all's about knowing what you stand for and what you will do and what you won't do, and that's to me what your brand is all about. So if you have clarity on that, then you can design a customer experience that really appeals to, to your customers.
1: And it must be crystal clear. All right, we're going to take a short break. Don't go, away, everybody. We're talking with Denise Leon, and she is going to talk to us in just a moment about the seven brand building principles that separate the best. From the rest. That's based on her great best selling book, What Great Brands Do. This is Amazing Business Radio. My name is Chef Hyken. We'll be right back. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world class customer service training at your fingertips online 24 7. 365 days a year. Just go to www.shepondemand.com. Once again, that's shepondemand.com. And remember, always be amazing.
0: You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken.
1: Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio on CBS and Play It Network and we're talking with Denise Leon and we are talking about building your brand. And I don't care if you're a large company like some of the companies we've been talking about, that would be companies like, you know, some of the best brands in the world, Apple and, and we talked about Costco and several other companies, or you can be a small solo entrepreneur even. Building your brand important. And Denise has written a best-selling book, What Great Brands Do, The Seven Brand-Building Principles That Separate the Best from the Rest. And I want to know what those seven brand-building habits are. So what are they? <laughs> Denise, all right. start I'll with number one. Can I'll we go, go through them? Do we have time? Yeah, I
0: was going to say, I can good. go through them fairly quickly, and then maybe you can pick out one or two that you want me to talk about a little bit more. Great. So, give us the, the
1: appetizer one. version. You know, yes. this is Okay. Good.
0: All right. Here's your sampler plate, all right? Great brands, number one, start inside, meaning they start brand building by cultivating a strong brand-led culture inside their company. Number two, great brands avoid selling products. They know it's far more effective to kind of seduce people with an emotional connection than to push their products on them. Number three is great brands ignore trends. And I know sounds a little counterintuitive, but what I found is that great brands actually challenge trends and sometimes just go their own way so that they can advance their own cultural movement and have everyone else follow them. Number four, great brands don't chase customers. So this is what we were talking about with right, Costco. You, that you know who yeah, you know who you want to attract and you know who you're not for as well. Number six is um, oh, number I'm sorry, five. number five yeah, is the fact that the skin myself. I was getting so excited. I know. <laughs> yes, you are. Thanks so. <laughs> up. Um, Great brands sweat the small stuff in their customer experience. This is, again, what we talked about. We talked about Apple before, really obsessing over these small details that can make a big difference in people's perceptions about your brand. The next one is great brands commit and stay committed. You know, they lock in their core brand aspirations and then execute on them relentlessly and are willing to say no to things that will take them off their core because they're so committed to, to being clear about what they stand for. And then the last principle is: great brands never have to give back. And again, I know that sounds kind of unintuitive, and there's really nothing wrong with giving back. I mean, come on, we all you know want to give back. But what I found is that great brands don't give you know take with one hand and give back with the other. They actually create a positive social impact in the very core of the way they design their business, so that they so that they're not trying to make up for bad things they've done. They're actually improving people's lives every day.
1: All right. So we're going to go through those uh, with a little bit more detail. And, th- and by the way, that's great. Starting inside to me means it's defined at the top and it permeates through the culture and the personality of the entire organization. A- am I on track with that?
0: Absolutely. And it's really about having those brand values that not only inform your internal culture and the way that you kind of cultivate and shape that internal culture, but then also use those same values for how you engage your customers externally. You know, one of my clients is a grocery store that focuses in the healthy living and natural space. And, you know, it's interesting that they're just now starting to really think about how do we create healthy living for our employees? So it's not just something we do on the outside. It's something we do on the inside, and it's the same thing.
1: Imagine if they started that first and focused on well, their employees Well, that's
0: why first. they should start inside, exactly. right? Great exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> you know, what happens on the inside of a company is felt on the outside of the company. And uh, so maybe they, hey, the fact that they figured out, though, it's not too late. That's for sure.
0: Exactly. So, so yeah. number
1: two, avoid selling products and instead, uh, you know, Connect emotionally, and I think that's cool because I think sometimes it's uh, a product is a commodity. My guess is whatever I'm selling is probably able to be bought elsewhere uh, by another company, maybe even by less money. What can I do to create that emotional connection? Mm -hmm.
0: You know, it's a sad fact, but that is, the, the, I think, the case for most products in most categories and industries today. So how do you create brand preference? How do you create brand loyalty? It's all about um, finding out, you know, how you can make customers feel. You know, what? how do you want to inspire them? How do you want to change their lives? What is the real value of what you're creating? You know, Nike is kind of the prototypical great brand. And, you know, I think in in part they are because people know that when you're buying something, you know, Nike, you're not just buying a pair of shoes. You're like, you're buying something that makes you feel like an athlete and you feel inspired to do your best. Just do it, right?
1: You know, when I run with a different pair of shoes... I can never go as far as when I put on those Nikes. It just makes me feel good. Well, anyway. <laughs> I, just,
0: I get inspired Now I get inspired you know um, thinking about what I can do with with my Nike
1: shoes. And it's, I mean, they really do give you a vision of what the shoe is supposed to do and what you should. I mean, they create that emotional connection of what you aspire to. They've done a great job. All right. Yeah. Number three is, and I can argue this one because I just came back from an analytics conference. Ooh, isn't that exciting? And it really was. But, you know, it's all about watching the data and figuring out what the trends are going to be. But, but you say great brands ignore trends. That's number three.
0: Mm hmm.
1: So well, you know, you, you,
0: you want to be data informed. You definitely want to know what, how are customers buying? Um, how are they? How are their purchases changing? What do we know about them? Uh, the, the problem, I think, is that we often try to follow everyone else, what everyone else is doing, as opposed to, say, given what we know what is something what is an idea uh what is a a product what is a direction that we can move in that is completely that that we can completely own on our own so it's not about you know i work with a lot of restaurant companies and you know all the restaurant companies are like oh you know we see what's going on with you know those healthy healthy food trends we need to have a healthy offering it's like you know what that may or may not be right for you, you know. Um, McDonald's, I think, is trying to really push their their health and and their quality, and um, uh, they they came out with these chef crafted or chef inspired sandwiches. I can't remember what it's called, and it's like, you know, what I'm not sure that that's really right for McDonald's, you know. So I think it's it's about not following what, I'm out, what everyone else is doing, but using the information that you have to identify what are holes in the marketplace, what, are, what is white space at least I like that we that.
1: right So you do want to, I, I believe it's still important to look at a trend. A trend is where people are going. And if people are moving toward a healthier menu, I wouldn't lose the quarter pounder with cheese. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's a core staple. Uh, however, I might look at, what are the healthy options? But in order to maybe find those holes, what is everybody else doing and what are they missing? And mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. where we fill in the, the, the hole of the trend. All right. So number four, you kind of covered this one. Don't chase customers. Um, mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I like that. It, it, I believe there is, again... Listen to these words, people listening to the show. I want you to really hear what Denise is saying because even though she says don't chase customers, that doesn't mean if you're a salesperson you should stop picking up the phone and making a phone call. No, I think it's what you're trying to do is there's a better way of doing it, and and maybe it's right. and maybe it supplements or it's an add-on. But it's all part of creating that connection and if you're constantly trying to chase chase a dollar, you won't get your customer. You know? <laughs> right. I think that may be and, more and what and you're make, saying is don't chase the sale.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know, if you if you are gonna chase a sale, make sure it's the it's the right sale for you. You know, I think that oftentimes we look at um, our category and say, Who are the most profitable customers? Who are the most exciting ones? How can we you know, make sure that we get get those customers, as opposed to thinking about who's gonna, who is our message and what we offer going to resonate with most. And let's go after those people in a targeted and focused and intense, intentional way. And if, by the same token, say, you know what, there are lots of other people that, you know, if they come and I buy our product, they come into our restaurant, whatever, certainly we're going to serve them well. But they're not our focus. We're not going to design our customer experience to meet their needs.
1: Here's an interesting stat that I read just this morning. 87% of, of, of uh, I'm sorry, let's start, 13%, which is the other part of 87, right? <laughs> yeah. 13% yeah. of the passengers on an airline make up more than 50% of the revenue. Okay. 13, wow. and, and the other 87%, okay, which is where I was going, fly once a year at most. Now think about wow. that. So now of that 13%, I'm going to bet there is a small percentage of those, maybe it's half, maybe it's 3%, I don't know, that are responsible for probably of that more than half of the revenue. I bet they're responsible for 80% of that half of the revenue. And yeah. so as you start to segment it out, you start to understand, wow, um, you, know, you need to go to the right customer and, and not all of the customer's. So number, number five, I like this one, don't sweat the small stuff. In other words, sometimes I'm thinking we get bogged down in these details and these little things, and it's a bigger picture that we need to be looking at.
0: Well, actually, I, I'm sorry to have to say this. I'm actually saying that you do need to sweat the small stuff, but I think that the difference is that – Oh, do is sweat, not don't sweat.
1: I, okay, well, I yeah. got that one wrong, but that's Okay. <laughs>
0: But I know I do think that you raise a good point and it's something that I think people misunderstand when I say sweat the small stuff, which is we're gonna we're gonna waste all of our resources chasing down perfection in every single opportunity and we're gonna be so anal about everything that we do that you just can't run a business like that. What you need to do is figure out how can we make the biggest impression on people. And and it's sweating the small stuff in those kinds of details. So, you know, um it's funny I uh was at a, Visiting a very nice hotel um, a couple weeks ago. It was definitely a client who put me up in this hotel. I could never afford to stay there on my own, and it was such this wonderful experience. Very um, everything was. Um, everything was so aligned with the personality and the history of the hotel that it was a historic landmark that had been um that people have been going to this hotel for you know centuries or whatever, mm-hmm. and every little thing they did, whether it was a little sign that they left on the bed at night or the way that the, the um person at the reception desk greeted me or even um the the cute bikes they had for for rent available for for their guests, everything had this like that was right for their brand. Um, now, I'm sure that there were lots of other things that they chose not to do or not to invest in because those things really didn't matter for them. So it's really understanding what is going to make the biggest impression on people. And I've got to tell you, it's, it's almost never advertising. It's always something in the customer experience.
1: All right, I'm going to redeem myself. And that is okay. is don't sweat all of the small stuff just sweat That's a great the way most to put important it. small stuff
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, i so, love that That's so here's great. what we're going to do we're going to okay. take
1: another short break and when we come back we're going to hit number six and seven and give you some other amazing ideas that you can use in your business to be more successful we're talking with denise leon author speaker entrepreneur and my name's Chef Haiken. this is amazing business radio don't go away I love a good book and Donna Cutting's new book, 501 Ways to Roll Out the Red Carpet is a great one. The passion that Donna has for customer service is evident as you read this book. She shares how she treats her customers like they're celebrities and gives you 501 ways that you can do the same. So if you want to create raving fans, check out Donna Cutting's new book on Amazon.com, 501 Ways to roll out the red carpet.
0: This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken.
1: Shep Hyken here, and we're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Denise Leon. And she is sharing with us the seven uh, basically positioning uh, brand building principles that separate the best from the rest. And we've talked about the first five but we've got two more to go. And number six, I, I've been taking notes, is uh, to commit and stay committed. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I am. I. I they tried to commit me once. <laughs> and,
0: uh, we weren't going to talk about that, Shep.
1: It's a different kind of commitment.
0: But you know what? It's <laughs> Right. It's, it is, an, it's, yes. it's
1: a crazy commitment. It's crazy about your customer commitment.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, I think a great example is a brand that you mentioned before, Southwest Airlines. You know, um, I think that they uh, were very clear about the kind of airline that they wanted to develop when they first started out. And they you know, they they identified certain attributes like, you know, short haul flights and very bare bones, lots of fun, you know, all these things. And they've stayed committed to those values and attributes throughout as they've grown and as they've expanded. And I think, you know, it's such a temptation to either look at what other people are doing or to see an opportunity to grow and say, hey, we can do that. But I think the better question to ask yourself is should we do that? Is that really right for us? Is it going to grow us in a profitable and sustainable way, or is it just going to produce a short-term flash that's going to take us in the wrong direction? So committing and staying committed is about saying knowing what your brand stands for, being very clear about it, and then locking that in.
1: So that's great. That is commit. Commitment is, I think, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, you do it right. Number seven. And, and that is to, and I hate to use the word never, but that's how it starts off. Never <laughs> have, never to, have give to give back. back. And wow, yeah. I wrote a whole section of my last book about how I think it's important uh, to be community focused. <laughs> and uh, But I think what you're saying is that you shouldn't give back after you're su- successful. It should be just a part of who you are.
0: And, yeah, and a part of the way you design your business, you know, you don't want to think about giving back as, oh, we need to do um, cause marketing or we need to, you know, do a charitable donation or something like that. You want to think about how is my business creating value for my community today and how could it do with that even more? And then you want to, you know, design your business so that you're doing that in every, and you're making that positive contribution in everything that you do every day.
1: So you know what I I hear in this and what's making me think right now is that um, depending on what you do uh, should be part of how you give back. And it should be structured into it from the very beginning. An example might be, and I know you've used restaurants a a number of times, but the restaurant that Mm -hmm. has leftover good quality food that wasn't used You know, at the very beginning, you know, let's help the community by giving that food away. And that's different than saying, if we make a lot of money, we'll write a check
0: yeah and another restaurant example is actually Starbucks and you know so we're talking about brands we have to talk about Starbucks you know mm-hmm. and I think that earlier you know earlier yeah big brand earlier this year they tried to do this whole campaign it was called race together and it was really about kind of stimulating conversation about race um, one of the things, because you know because there have been so much racial tension you know in in our nation um, but one of the things I think was really overlooked in in their whole program is that they made a commitment to hire um, I' can't remember what the number is like I thought it was like 10,000 youth from you know disadvantaged or underserved communities where there are a lot of racial tensions and bring them give them good jobs that where they can make money where where everyone can be making a positive contribution to the community that's the kind of thing that a restaurant can do like I said, kind of in, in the way that they run their business. And it's, it's not about a big marketing campaign. It's about just saying, hey, you know, we can we can employ these people and make a difference in their lives, in our business, and in our community.
1: Wow. So that's perfect. That's a, a great example of that. All right. So we're getting close to running out of time. I want to go back to your most recent book, which uh, you just wrote, Extraordinary Experiences. Uh, give me the best case study, the best example out of that, I would love to hear the best story that kind of uh, summarizes and brings it all together.
0: Yeah, I'll talk about PERCH. It's a, um, a chain, um, small chain of high-end appliances and plumbing, and it's spelled P-I-R-C-H. Okay? Perch. And are um, they national or
1: are they local?
0: They aren't are national. I mean, they have um, showrooms everywhere from San Diego to Atlanta. Um, But I want to say they only have like maybe nine showrooms across the country. They're definitely on a growth uh, trajectory, so I think you'll be seeing more of them. But they're still a relatively small company. And um, what stands out is that they really do exemplify all of these principles. Now, in my book, I chose to show how they... um, let the small stuff in a customer experience, because um, when you walk into one of the stores you you know it's unlike going to your typical like home Depot or Lowe's where you need to buy a refrigerator and it's the most mundane, boring, uninspiring experience you've ever had at perch, they really get you excited about creating a wonderful home experience and, and their products just have to be a part of that. Um, but, the, you know, everything from great brands start and side, the, the attention they give to employee training and culture, and it's, you know, it's not skills training. It's not like, okay, here's how you repair a refrigerator. It's how do you empathize with customers? How do you really understand what they want need? How do you make them feel comfortable and confident? So, you know, they, they start inside, they avoid selling products. It's all about emotional connection. Um, they've ignored the trends in the sense that, you know, people are going more online and and they're really invested in the brick and mortar experience. They don't chase customers they are obviously not for everyone. Um, it's like I said, they sweat the small stuff. Um, they commit and stay committed, you know. I mean, there's certain things that they've chosen not to do, certain brands, certain partners that they've chosen not to work with because they don't fit with their brand. And then in terms of never having to give back, the, the emotional um, the value that they create for their customers is just is truly remarkable. So they're just, you know, they're an example of a, a relatively new, relatively small company that is creating an extraordinary experience. And I'm just so excited to share about them in my new book.
1: So how are they going to get me excited about a refrigerator? What are they going to do when I walk <laughs> in? They're going to come up to me, and I assume at some point they're going to say, "What are you here for?" And I'm not going to say, "I'm here to get my hair cut." No. I'm here because I want to buy a refrigerator. What happens? What do they do to emotionally engage me?
0: Right, right. Well, I'm not sure that they would necessarily say, "Why are you here? What are you here to buy?" Or you know, what are you here for? I think that they would ask you, "What kind of home experience do you want to create? How do you use your kitchen? Um, You know, how do you view your kitchen? You know, what kind of um, what kind of uh, vibe or atmosphere do you want in your kitchen? And how does how can a refrigerator help?" Create that. Sometimes it's a matter of certain features, you know, like I, you know, I want a double door or a refrigerator, or freezer, or I want, you know, whatever size and everything. But a lot of times it's like, what are you going to do with this thing, and how, and how can we um, design? How can we make sure we get the product that fits your exact need? And then their experience extends beyond the store. So you know, once you order that refrigerator, every every step of the process of getting that refrigerator into your store, I, I mean, into your home, um, the way that the the installers um, and delivery people will interact with you is the same as the store experience. You know, oftentimes I don't know if you. I actually recently bought a refrigerator, and you know, it, it's like as if you're working with two different companies or right. three different companies. Sometimes you, buy, you are. You know, the, yes, the store that you bought it from. You know, the person who's logistics, and then you've got the actual delivery. And they, you know, these delivery people, they want to get in, and they usually want to get in and out as fast as possible. Here, you know, set it up, blah blah blah. We're we're out the door. Perch really wants to to you to enjoy the product. They'll spend the time to show you. Here's you know here's how you operate it. You know here's maybe some special features you didn't know about it. And they clean them. You know clean up their work. You know, they say that they they um, only leave behind a joyful experience. It's really about giving you what you want. Um, Love it. in your kit.
1: Love it. And all companies should do that, regardless of what they do, what they sell. Uh, that I agree, would, you know, yeah. I, gosh, wouldn't that make us a better world? <laughs> so, all right, we're starting to wrap up here. I always ask the one thing question, so I'm going to ask it of you. One last point you want to make, one last lesson you want to share, something you want to emphasize, what would it be? If we could only walk away with one great idea from today, what would you want us to remember?
0: Yes. I would want you to remember and embrace the idea that your brand is what you do and how you do it. Brand is not your logo, it's not your name, it's not your advertising, all those things are important ways of expressing your brand, but what you do and how you do it is what makes you unique and valuable and memorable for your customers. And. You need to be clear about that first and then design the entire customer experience, including logos, taglines, websites, whatever it might be, to express that. But it's really about your brand is what you do and how you
1: do it. And and I'll go a step further that you will do everything you can to try to create the what you do and how you do it. And at the end of the day, if the customer doesn't agree, you're not delivering. And if you want them to be in alignment, that's where everything starts to fall into place where, you know, people start to want to do business with you, refer you. I think that's great advice. A brand is what you do and how you do it. So, Denise, we can get these books on uh, Amazon, (laughs) Barnes & Noble, anywhere. Uh, And, again, I'm going to spell your name because people may not realize. It's Denise, which is easy, D-E-N-I-S-E, Lee, L-E-E, Y-O-H-N. It's like John, but it's it's Jan, (laughs) Y-O-H-N. And do you have a website?
0: I do. It's com, And on there, you, there'll be links to find more out more information about the books. You can actually access free chapters from from both the books if you're not quite sure you want to pull the trigger and buy them yet.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. You see right there, you're going to get them emotionally engaged.
0: <laughs> I hope so.
1: Well, you're, you appeal to everything. You appeal to the people that like to go to, to Sam's and, and, and uh, Costco on a weekend and get free lunch with the free samples. <laughs> You appeal to the people who like to get free stuff, if that's okay to use that word, and then when they finally get into it and they taste what it is that you're selling them, they'll go, oh, wow, now I'm emotionally hooked, and you've got me hooked. So I'm a fan. I'm <laughs> well, a fan. great.
0: I'm glad to hear it. Chef, I'm a big fan of yours. So I'm so glad we had this conversation.
1: Me too. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been amazing business radio. We've been talking with Denise Leon, and please go out, check out her website, deniselion.com. Check out the books, learn more about her. This has been a great segment. Really appreciate you coming out. Great interview. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio, because we learn so much from so many amazing people. So I always like to sign off with my three favorite words. And if you've been listening, you know what those words are. Remember, everybody, always be amazing.